Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast, the conference championship style edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And on today's podcast, we'll be joined by the former defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, Chuck Pagano, who announced his retirement after 36 years coaching in the NFL. We'll talk about the reasons he stepped away from the game right now and what's next for Chuck Pagano's future. Plus, we'll be joined by the owner and president of the Buffalo Bills, Kim Pagula, whose team is in this weekend's conference championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then we'll be joined by ESPN statistician and analytics guru Evan Kaplan as he breaks down and sizes up both of this weekend's conference championship games. But before we get to the conference championship games, the biggest non conference championship game storyline is the saga of Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback who clearly wants out of Houston. And as we continue to wonder whether or not Houston would actually trade him and what the Texans could get back if they decided to go in that direction, I want to make this very clear. Deshaun Watson dictates where he goes. That is the power that the Houston Texans gave him when they granted him the rare no trade clause in his contract that he signed last summer. Once they gave him the no trade clause, he can say, I know you just traded me to Chicago. I know you just traded me to Atlanta. I know you just traded me to you pick the city. If he doesn't want to go there, he doesn't have to accept the terms of the trade. He doesn't have to report. And so he can dictate to the Texans where he wants to go. In a best case scenario, for Houston, if it decides to go in that direction, it can try to work with Deshaun Watson and say, hey, I've got an offer from the Miami Dolphins. I've got an offer from the New York Jets. What works for you? Because we'd like to trade you to one of these places because we're getting more. Is that okay with you? But Deshaun Watson is calling the shots here. He's in charge. And his next move right now clearly seems to be to request a trade, to not report to not have any further contact with the Texans being that he's cut off communication to them. And can you imagine being the Texans general manager, Nick Casario, who gets the job in Houston a couple of Tuesdays ago and steps in there knowing that there are some issues within the organization, but not knowing or realizing that his quarterback is going to want to sever ties with the organization itself. He steps into a job where he thinks there are some things to clean up but doesn't know or realize the full scope of it until he gets there. And so now we have a quarterback who wants out. Now we have a general manager who had no idea what he was stepping into through no fault of his own. That's going to have to try to clean this up. Now we have the NFL's biggest storyline that will hang over this offseason: what the Texans do with Deshaun Watson. And they may not be at the point where they're even entertaining or thinking about trading Deshaun Watson. And maybe they could find a way to repair things. And maybe we are getting a little too dramatic here. I don't think so. I think this is headed right down the area, right down the lane, in which Deshaun Watson will have nothing to do with that organization, where Deshaun Watson will dictate his departure, and where Deshaun Watson will engineer his trade out of Houston to another franchise We shall see how that one unfolds. Also want to point out what a weekend for Michigan quarterbacks. If I could take a little pride in that, 
Chad Henney, former Michigan quarterback, leads the Chiefs to the conference championship game with a big fourth down throw to Tyree Kill that some people thought the Chiefs wouldn't have the guts to execute. And of course, Michigan quarterback Tom Brady goes to his 14th conference championship game. Michigan coming through again. Congratulations to the former Michigan quarterbacks. All right, before we get into today's episode, first I want to tell everyone that Conor McGregor returns to the Octagon January 23rd in a rematch against Dustin Poirier at UFC 257, only on ESPN+. Plus. UFC 257 is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99. Visit ESPNplus.com backslash PPV, as in pay-per-view, ESPNplus.com backslash PPV. Also, make sure you're staying up to date with all things UFC by downloading and subscribing to DC and Helwani, hosted by Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Find DC and Helwani, as well as the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, the longtime NFL coach, a man who spent 36 years giving his life to programs like USC, Miami of Florida, Boise State, East Carolina, UNLV, East Carolina, Miami of Florida, before he jumped to the NFL and coached the Cleveland Browns, Oakland Raiders, Baltimore Ravens, Indianapolis Colts, and Chicago Bears, the former defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, a man who recently announced his retirement, Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano? I can't see you. (laughs) We're just doing audio here, Chuck. That, that okay? Oh, my bad. I even I took a shower and everything. I got my retired haircut <laughs> or my retired bedhead all straightened out. I would say I feel bad about wasting your time, but you have a lot of time to waste, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> no, stop it. I'm blessed to be on with you, brother. It's it's great to have you, Chuck. And I and there's so much ground I want to cover. And first, I want to congratulate you on a storied NFL career. Who would have ever thought that a kid from Fairview High School in Boulder, who would go on to college at Wyoming, would go on to coach as long as he did. That That is outstanding, Chuck. Congratulations to you. Well, uh, that means a lot, uh, Adam. I appreciate it. Um, I've been blessed uh, beyond measure. Um, had so many great mentors along the way. And um, it's been a, uh, again, it's been a great journey. And it's always been about the relationships and and those relationships that uh, that were built over the last 30 plus years. So I'm blessed. And, and Chuck, September 2012, you were, you were diagnosed with leukemia and took an indefinite leave of absence, uh, underwent three months of treatment in Indianapolis. And I remember in November, the doctors announcing that your cancer was in remission. I remember the whole Chuck Strong campaign and all the money that was raised and the attention. Today, today, you feel great? No side effects, no ill effects, no nothing, not limited, inhibited in any kind of way? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. I've had I've had eight plus great years of uh of, of health and remission. Um and so grateful for all that I was at the right place at the right time. You know, if you're ever gonna get diagnosed and unfortunately cancer doesn't discriminate, um, as we all know. Um, but I was at the right place at the right time and all the people at IU Health and Simon Cancer Center and my oncologist, Dr. Larry Kripe, and Pat Lehrer, everybody that runs that place that took such great care of me. And, you know, that it was just amazing, the amount of support uh, and encouragement 
uh, from people you don't know, people you do know, but then people you don't know. And, and uh, I was very, very blessed and I'm healthy as a horse. And I got a new grandson. You probably know Bear Charles. And it's the first boy in the Pagano family. Wow. Uh, have three daughters. I got three daughters, as you know, three granddaughters. And yeah. my youngest daughter, Tori, had her first baby and it yeah, was a wow. boy. So we all know that he's set for life. She's set for life. My, <laughs> my, my other daughters are all pretty upset, you know, and, uh, and, and worried that, you know, I, they're going to get cut off. But no, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm back in, back in Indy right now. And, and I'm sure different people remember different things, but I remember you saying, I'm going to beat this and I'm going to live long enough to dance at my daughter's weddings. Right? Yeah. No, that was uh, that was an unbelievable uh, day opportunity that we just got done winning a game there, and I was fortunate enough to be home doing treatment. And my doctor said my immune system was good enough where I could I could go to the game, sit in the press box, couldn't be around the guys, you know, and all that stuff uh, for obvious reasons. But after that win, I snuck in the locker room and and uh, never forget that moment. And that was you know some just the vision you know, that I had and the vision that I was living was that, you know, I would beat cancer, you know, we'd, we'd win a, a, a trophy, you know, and that uh, I would walk two more daughters down the aisle and, and dance at their weddings. And uh, I'm, I've got one walk down the youngest story a couple of years ago. I'm just, I've got one to go. So I'm, I'm blessed that way. So let's just question. So you're, you're in good health. You've got the grandchildren. You've walked your daughters, some of them down the aisle. You're only 60 years old. So why walk away from coaching now? You like you're still one of the top guys out there. You still can do it. Why now, Chuck? You know, um I get asked that a lot and you know, for all those reasons you just you just mentioned, you know, the only regret I have and the only goal really that, you know, is not being able to dance on that confetti, you know, and and hoist that trophy. And I just knew deep down in my heart we were going to get that done in India, and we didn't. I knew going to Chicago, we'd have a great opportunity uh, to do that because of that franchise and the people there and Coach Nagy and his vision. And But I always kind of had this this number in mind. Um, 60 always kind of stood out uh, to me. But it was just it was just time, you know, and, and really the biggest the biggest reason would be family. You know how much our families in this profession sacrifice. Yeah. And for 30, 36, 37 years, you know, 32 years of marriage with Tina, 13, 14 moves along the way, what they sacrificed along this entire journey, how they supported me, it was time, you know, and I'm blessed to be able to walk away and do it on my own terms. It was just time for me to give back to them. Tina raised my daughters. I mean, I missed, I missed so much. I mean, she did, I mean, just a, a phenomenal. You talk about a Hall of Fame uh, wife. I mean, she's just she's always been the rock, and she's the one that did it all. When those girls didn't want to get out of a car, when we made moves to different places, she was the one who had to drop them off and tell them to get out of the car and walk through those new school doors, you know. And it, everything's going to be okay, you know. And so now it was just time for me to give the give them what they deserve now. So that's what you'll do with your free time. You will basically be. Grandpa Chuck, Poppy Chuck, hang out, be with Tina, be with your daughters. That's what you're going to do? That's that's what's sitting right in front of me. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. 
Will I stare at a TV? Yeah. Will I turn the games on? Yeah. <laughs> I keep in touch with a, a bunch of players and coaches. Yeah. Will I try to stay connected and in some some way. You, you, I mean, you never just totally give it up. Up, but uh, no. no. But that's it. So you get to do what you want when you want. Not have to be anywhere. Not be beholden to the office. Not be beholden to the coaches' hours that are so hard. I spoke to a coach yesterday. I was talking. And the guy was away, and I said, "Man, I I don't know what I would give to go away right now. Like it it, it just it, it just seems like these jobs, and I love my job as much as anybody, but these jobs become your life. Like it's just it's it's a way of life, right? Like it just becomes you, and it's so hard to yeah. do some of those things that you'd like to do, right? No question. Yeah, my wife said it best. Our life is our own now. I can tell you the last three four nights, I've never slept better." I don't, you wake up in the middle of the night, Adam, probably two, three in the morning. Always. Your mind's spinning. Always. You can't turn it, you can't turn it off. Always. You're worried about how, how are we going to, what are we going to do to, uh, you know, stop Aaron Rodgers? And, and by the way, he's probably the, another main reason I went into retirement um, <laughs> was because of Aaron. <laughs> you know, him among a bunch of other great ones out there, a bunch of goats, but no, all joking aside, I mean, I've never slept better. 12 hours of sleep for the first time the last couple of nights. And I haven't had that, you know, where you're not worried about a uh, free agency. You're not worried about the draft. You're not worried about the combine. You're not worried about prepping. You're not worried about the meetings, the game planning, the call sheet, game day. Game day is three hours and five minutes of hell. I mean, you die a thousand deaths out there, you know, <laughs> and it's just that's just what, it, you know, because because you immerse everything that you have into it, you know. And your biggest fear is you just you don't want to you don't want to screw it up and you want to put those kids in position to be successful. You know, when I was let go in 18, you know, I was talking about Jim and that whole deal. But when he let me go in, in 18 and gave me that opportunity, I was able to spend that summer getting my help my daughter get ready for that wedding as well. Not only get to dance at it, but that was kind of the silver lining in that whole deal. And uh, so grateful for everybody, all the mentors that I've had. And, all the relationships with the coaches and players and the people that have um, just helped me along the way. Here's my question to you. The idea of what you're saying, I can't tell you how enticing that is. And Tina summarized it so well. You have your life's back. You get to do what you want with your life. Like my life belongs to my job. It belongs to ESPN. And that's a sacrifice my family has to make. But you get your life back. And it's awesome. And you're going to love being Papa Chuck and all those things. But what happens, and I've seen this before with a lot of other coaches I know and can think of, a year from now when so-and-so gets a job or so-and-so needs a defensive coordinator or so-and-so needs defensive help and they call Papa Chuck and they say, hey, you want to come to City X and fill in after you've been sleeping 12 hours a night and have had all this free time and a recharge beyond words? What's going to happen then, Chuck? We've always had the motto, never say never. But I, I can't see it happening. The league's changed. There's a new cycle of, of really young and bright coaches coming in. I can't see that call happening, number one. Number two, if it did, like I said, you never say never. But unless I totally screw this retirement thing up. <laughs> Which is uh, hard. Again, I go I go. <laughs> I no, I, I, and my wife is ready to kill me and kick me out the door, and yeah. I screwed it up with my, I, you know, 
having the year in, in 2018 taught me a lot, you know, and having great friends like Jerry Rosberg, uh, who was, you know, retired a couple of years back from Baltimore and such a wise old sage and a guy that I bounced a lot of things off. He's one of the first guys I called. I said, give me your top 10, Jerry, retirement tips, you know, and he, and he matter of fact, he'd been working on them for a long time and, and sent them to me. And, and they were all, all, all great stuff. I don't want to share them because I don't, I told him I wouldn't share them with anybody because he hasn't put a patent on them yet. Cause I think they're that good. But um, unless I totally just screw this thing up, which I, I, I know I won't because I've learned a lot of lessons back in 18, you know, that, that first couple months of being out of work and not having um, a team, not having a group of guy, the staff, the camaraderie, the competition. I mean, that's hard. That's why, that's why most coaches and, and players get sideways at them when they're, when they're done. Yeah. Cause they, they don't have that. They don't have that fix. Where am I going to get the adrenaline rush from, yeah. you know, the locker room is, is is such a unique deal, and that workplace is such a, a unique deal. You you can't replicate that. I and like I tried to talk to my players all the time and the guys that I was fortunate enough to be around and and coach about having your next life's work ready. You've got to have a plan because this ain't forever. We all know what NFL stands for, you know and talked many times about you're always on a one-day contract in this league it ain't a year you may have years left on it but it's a it's a one-day contract and we know how it goes it's a bottom line business you win you stay and if you don't they move on from you which is fine we all know what we signed up for right coaching is an addiction and i have found so few people who are able to just give it up and walk away just give it up and walk away be done with it clean break yeah and that's why you see guys come back and and, you know, senior this, senior that, a defensive, whatever that, whatever, you know, it's, there's an adjustment period. And then there's oh, yeah. an adjustment period dealing with not, not being a part of something. And so I'm, I'm good. I, I am so good. And I'm so at peace right now. If I don't ever coach again, I'm, I'm good at it. You, you said, if I never coach again, you didn't say I'm not coaching again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just said you never, never, never say never. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if, I, if somebody called me and somebody called me and said, "Hey, you can do this from home. You never have to leave your house." I'd say, "Oh, that's that's intriguing." Well, but Chuck, that's the beauty of being sixty, not having to work, having your family, basically living in the world we're living in now. That there are things possible that nobody thought. I'm doing pre-game shows for Sunday Countdown from my house every Sunday. Like, I never would have thought that that's possible. And so there may be a job out there for you where there's a team out there that wants you to, I don't know, watch the game, film a practice, make defensive suggestions, and it gives you something to do without having to be chained to that job, without having to be in the office till midnight every single day. And you do it from home and you do it at your pace, at your level, with how you want, and you're dictating the terms rather than having that life be dictated to you. Does that make sense? I think we'd all sign up for yeah. that. What you just described, if you're, if you were my agent now, okay, and you can get me something like that, heck yeah, we'll go down that road. All right, Chuck, you bring up all those relationships. When you think back along those 30-year relationships, which are the ones that just jump out to you? Which are the ones you'll sit back and think about now that you've got this added time to get rid of your bedhead and do whatever the hell you want to do in life. Oh man, that's 
that's something that I uh, started to, you know, obviously reflect on um, over the last couple of days. Um, you know, starting with Ted Toner um, all the way back to 1984, you know, my first graduate assistant job and working for, for Coach Toner at University of Southern California. You know, he gave me he gave me my first shot and I'm forever grateful uh, to Coach Toner and, and uh, you know, Bruce. Uh, who, who, you know, has, has been my, my confidant, my, my agent through this, through this journey. And he's like a brother to me. So that family, you know, first and foremost sticks out to me. And, uh, I couldn't ask for a better way to, a better way to start. You know, you, you go there, you win the Pac 10, beat Ohio State 2017 in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> and you think, you know, uh, this stuff's easy, you know, <laughs> this is going to be an easy <laughs> ride, but, uh, <laughs> But no, um, so many, so many great, uh, relationships with coaches and players and people that, uh, gave me so many opportunities, you know, go to, go to Miami, you know, with Dave Wanstead, who was on that USC staff, gave me a shot down there to, to be with Jimmy Johnson on that staff and to meet, you know, Butch Davis and, and all the guys on that staff and then to be able to work for Butch, you know, for, for 10 years, uh, down the road just incredible. And then the, the shot that John Harbaugh gave me in Baltimore in 2008, you know, had it not been, you know, for, for John and the opportunity he gave me. And then the opportunity he gave me, um, you know, to be his coordinator in 2011, you know, and making the run that we made and we fell short and the way the stars aligned Adam, you know, had we won that game in new England that night, you know, Joe Flacco would be passed. That was a touchdown to Lee Evans. And then a missed field goal. You know, if we win the game, I may never get to talk to Indy because of the rules, you know. So had it not been for him giving me that opportunity and putting me in that position and the stars aligning just right, who knows if Indy ever happens. So I'm very blessed for all those guys and many all the players and, and, you know. And then the McCaskey family, Ryan Pace and Coach Nagy, you know, giving me the opportunity to get back in at such a storied franchise. Uh, The founding father, uh, to be part of that organization for the last two years, forever grateful to all those guys and, and all the players, you know, obviously all the players. And I mean, it's always been about the players. I've been blessed to be around. Uh, obviously it's hall of fame, hall of fame players and hall of fame people. Before I let you go today, Chuck, a couple of football questions, your friend, Bruce Arians, who took over for you on an interim basis in Indianapolis, coaching the NFC championship game this weekend. What are your thoughts for how he's going to do and your message for him at such an important time in his professional life? Hey, um, obviously, uh, BA knows how, uh, how I feel about him and, and, uh, just, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, he, he's done this, um, before and what he's done, uh, down there, uh, the moves that he made, the decisions that he made, the team that he's built. Uh, along with the rest of the guys on that staff and Jason down there. I mean, what a, what an amazing job. And, um, I've got good friends, obviously on that staff along with BA, but, um, I wish him, I wish him nothing, nothing but the best. He'll put together a, a great plan. And, you know, Todd Bowles and I worked together. He's a secondary coach. Uh, we were together in the back end in Cleveland 2000 to 2004. I've known Bowlesy forever. There's not a better defensive mind, uh, to me, uh, in football than Todd Bowles. Uh, the guy is a phenomenal, uh, coach and teacher. Um, so 
he'll have a he'll have a great plan and uh i like how they match up against them and obviously we all know what happened the first time they played this year they're two different teams right now so i'm not going to pick a winner all i know is that you know um i wish nothing but the best for 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 ba and and uh and that crew down there and they've got the best best that ever played that position and then the other thing i want to ask you about is Mitchell Trubisky, a lot of conversation. What do people not know about Mitchell Trubisky that you got to see every day being the Bears defensive coordinator the past two seasons? I think going through uh, what he went through and then coming back and, and leading us to those, those victories, you know, down the road and, and uh, you know, getting us in the, getting us in the playoffs. I mean, you, you got, um, you got a tough son of a gun there uh, mentally physically um you know the guys the guys uh the guy's a winner and he's a warrior and to be put in those uh circumstances that that he was and to go through what he did you know and to stay with it i've seen a lot of guys go the other way we all have you know and for him to stay right there and then all of a sudden okay your number gets called again you know nick goes down and then you come back in he he's got a lot of love and respect in that building, those players, his teammates, they love Mitch and they respect Mitch and, um, and they, and they have his back. I wish I could have done more, you know, for, for coach Nagy and that organization, um, and for the offense and to help those guys, uh, you know, but I love Mitch. Where do you think we'll see him in 2021? If you had a guess today, just a guess. I wish I had a crystal ball in front of me. <laughs> If I had, if I, if I had, if I had the crystal ball, yeah, you're gonna, ask, you can't ask anybody anything right now. Going through what we just went through, in 20, 2020 and COVID, and now you're asking for yeah. predictions. The way, well, the way, what's going on in our world, man? I mean, well, Chuck, listen, oh, you, 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 you envision dancing at your daughter's weddings. You did it. I figure if you could envision that, you could envision what's going to happen with Mitchell Trubisky and where he's going to be playing in 2021. I don't think I was asking that much. <laughs> I'm no Nostradamus, so <laughs> <laughs> I, everybody has their own vision. I know what my vision is for 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 my life and what I what I see, you know, moving forward. So uh, <laughs> I'll I'll leave. I'll leave that at that. All I know is that wherever he is, he's a winner, and he's going to help somebody win a championship. And you too, my friend, are also a winner. And wherever you are, you're going to be changing diapers, playing golf, and having an awful lot of fun. And I hope, and you deserve that, and you should enjoy that. Well, I appreciate you, Adam. I thank thank you for having me on. And uh, again, tons of tons of respect for you and the and job that you that you do. And and uh, forever grateful for you. And and uh, I know our friendship doesn't doesn't end here. So if you need anything, I'm always just a call away. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be football. Family, like whatever. I'm always there for you. And I and I appreciate for that. I love you for that. I appreciate the thank you and that open invite for golf on the East Coast stands. Anytime you want, you're back here. You let me know. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Thanks, right. Chuck. Be well. And so there is Chuck Pagano. We wish him the very best in retirement. It does sound like one day, maybe perhaps there might be an opening for a consulting job, an advising job, some sort of NFL work if and when he gets tired of being Papa Pagano. But we'll see how that plays out over time. Now we go on to the Buffalo Bills president and owner, Kim Pagula. And a few years ago, she found herself in a position that many of these teams have been in this offseason where they needed to hire a head coach. They needed to hire a general manager. And I think that these teams, like the Atlanta Falcons, 
who have hired Arthur Smith as their head coach and Terry Fontenot as their general manager, or the Detroit Lions, who hired Dan Campbell, the former Saints assistant, as their head coach, and Brad Holmes as their general manager, are hoping to have the type of success that the Buffalo Bills had when they hired Sean McDermott as their head coach and Brandon Bean as their general manager. Without further ado, the owner and president of the Buffalo Bills, Kim Pagula. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, Kim, thank you very much for joining us in this very, very busy time. What is it like to preside over a team that is preparing for the AFC championship game? Um, it, it's unknown. I've never done this before. Like, this, this is crazy. I, I'm like having to make, you know, questions and I'm planning on things that I've never had to do um, ever. Uh, so it, it's been uh, it's a lot of fun, obviously. Um, and happy to have these problems, you know, as we say, these these things that keep popping up. Uh, but, you know, this is where every team wants to be one game closer. So um, I'm happy to do it. If it you know, if I have to work 24 seven to be in this spot, I'm willing to do it. But it is an unknown terri- territory for uh, for us. And actually, there's probably only a few, I think maybe like maybe five or six people that actually were here last time that we were in this position back wow. in, what is it, 94 or 95? Wow. And so, um, so this is a new for everybody. So um, thankfully it's not new for, for Coach McDermott. So <laughs> I am going, yeah. I'm going with whatever he does. Have you spoken to those five or six people who were here for the last time Buffalo went to the AFC Championship game? Yeah, you know what? Um, so I think it was actually the, uh, there's uh, Jim Overdorf um, yep. is just right down the hall from me. So there's not a whole you know we don't have as you know we don't have a lot of our staff in yep. in here. But he was here back then. Um, you know he was more talking about the Super Bowl uh, when they went. That you know it was a weird time in the whole country, similar to I think it was the beginning of the Gulf War, and yeah. it was a similar experience as to what we're experiencing now um, in our country. So. He's superstitious as we all are. And so he, you know, he's saying he's got good vibes that this is very similar to, to how things went down last time we were in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, if, if I can use him as my good luck charm, I will. Well, it's very funny, Kim, because after you, we've recorded a segment with an ESPN statistician, Evan Kaplan, and he pointed out that if the Bills were to make it, it would be back in Tampa where, and I'm sorry to bring this up, Scott Norwood missed a field goal, but that same stadium where you would have a chance to make history in a stadium where you came that close to winning a Super Bowl. Have you thought about that at uh, all? No, no. Thanks for putting that in my head now. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot. Like, not that I don't have any other uh, suspicions, but uh, no, listen, you know, I'm trying to take a book from, from Coach McDermott of just, yeah. you know, focusing one game at a time, uh, focusing on this. But, you know, as you know, and I've been told by many that have uh, been, you know, gone to the Super Bowl in recent years, like, you know, you got to start the planning now, even though you uh, may or may not be in the game. Um, so that's what I'm doing. But, yeah, again, I'm trying to, you know, at the end of the day, just 
like think about we got a big game ahead of us on Sunday against a very good team, obviously Super Bowl champs. So, um, you know, I got to I got to focus on that first. But it's such a big deal in Buffalo. What is it like? I'm sure you feel the oh adrenaline. What is it like to feel that in the air? Right. There's a certain energy oh, through the city that's palpable yeah. of it. Right. Even even in, during no, a pandemic. It, <laughs> you know what? I like you've got a point there. I feel like it's in the air because I'm not really seeing anybody. You know, I'm in that 70s <laughs> protocol, you know, team bubble here. So I don't see a lot of people. Uh, but I tell you, even when you walk outside, I don't know. And I don't know if it's, you know, social media. I don't know if it's all the just the hype. But like, I feel it's just in the air. It doesn't even matter if I don't see anybody. There's just this feeling. Um, listen, and this has been a challenging year for so many of us, yeah. not just in football, but um, but across this whole community. And this has been such a highlight, no matter what the results are at the end of the day. Um, it has been such a highlight and brought so much joy to this community, to this fan, fan base. Um, it, it's just it's been a season that I, not many of us will forget for a long time. Hmm. What stands out about it to you? You know, it, it it's um, how do I say it? Like just for example, you know what happened? You know, with Lamar Jackson and the Bills Mafia family, just you know, donating to his charity, um, the things, you know, there's just so many things that have happened this year, yeah. Adam, that, that for anybody else, you know, it would have been a lot to pile on and, and, and deal with, but, um, I don't know. It's just, you know, the, you know, the social unrest that we're having in this country, the, you know, George Floyd murder, the, um, obviously the pandemic on top of that, the, the big, you know, politics going on you know you got josh allen's grandmother dying you got just there's just so many things that have happened this year um and yet i i don't know if you know you can find another a, a tighter knit group of of guys even you know even across all our um you know all our departments not just on football a closer group of people that um you know really just love each other i don't know yeah. i don't know if that's really sappy to say but it's it's just um, it's just different this year. Well, the teams that win, they usually are the tightest knit, and the most well-run organizations usually are like family, and so all that would yeah. figure to make sense. And you brought up Coach McDermott, Sean McDermott, and you and your husband Terry were the ones that hired him. I'm wondering what you remember about that interview, in light of the fact that a bunch of teams just hire coaches. There are still some more trying to hire coaches. What stood out about that interview when you look back on it that made you think that Sean McDermott will do what he has gone on to do for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of things actually stick out. One of them was I felt like he was interviewing us more than we were interviewing him. Mm. Um, and what that told me was that this guy, you know, he's just he has a belief in in himself, but he also, you know, felt like he knew what the right formula was to give himself, you know, uh, no guarantees, but give himself the right opportunity and to win and be successful as, as a head coach. And that didn't mean taking the first job that got offered to him. I think he wanted to, um, like I said, he interviewed us, wanted to ensure, you know, what resources were there, you know, how we communicated with the coach. Um, it was so much, it was a lot of discussion about, things outside of the actual X's and O's, you know, um, what his game plan was or, you know, how, you know, he, he was a defensive um, guy. And, and so it, it was 
all the other things about communications, about the leadership, about the quality of the players, about the character of players and um, about, you know, us as a community and and our um, just, you know, our willingness to, you know, to win. Like, I felt like he was really focusing on um, this organization and and making sure that this was going to be something that he felt he would have the support in, but also that would set him up for, for success. Um, I think he was very prepared to be a head coach. Um, I, you know, he brought in these notebooks, and my husband always laughs about it. He brought in these notebooks, and you can tell that he had been training. Didn't matter what position, probably be, probably had notebooks back in his intern days, um, what position he had held or what with what team. But always being a student, always learning um, and writing it down, and, and really preparing his whole life to be a head coach. So, I mean, that was really you know a lot of those intangible things that we look for in, in a head coach that, you know, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, you forget you're, you're focused on the winning, which obviously that, that works in what you're doing on the field. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other things, little things that all add up to help you win on the field. And, and those were the things that we saw in him um, early on in his interview. And what stood out about your general manager, Brandon Bean? Oh, you know what, Brandon, I think, I think once, cause you, if you recall, we hired Sean first. And I think once we kind of saw Sean, uh, with Brandon, um, very similar traits, you know, he had been actually had been an interim GM at one point. He had been assistant GM. He had been a scout. He had been, so he had really seen a lot, um, of the whole department personnel department. He wasn't, you know, just a scout to a, you know, um, you know, been been around for a while he was you know whether it was the financial whether it's the cap knowledge whether it was personnel knowledge um we just felt like he had this really vast just really well-rounded experience um and something someone that could actually really manage a whole you know department and organization not just you know drafting a player hmm. so very very similar things you know um they've got you know different personalities which was nice and and the fact that, you know, they, although they were, you know, in the same organization at, in Carolina, um, th- they weren't necessarily really close because they were in different positions at the time, but they knew and respected each other. And I think that just helped us kind of really come together early on and, and just really, um, you know, forge, forge a plan and a strategy um, that, you know, um, obviously, you know, has done well for us. Kim, earlier on Tuesday, the NFL announced – that Sarah Thomas would become the first woman to work a Super Bowl on that officiating crew. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. First, what are your thoughts on that? And would it mean something there to have not only a female official, a woman official working again, but also an NFL team owned by a woman in the same game? <laughs> How about that? Well, well, I mean, actually, there there have been other NFL owners, uh, female owners that have won Super Bowl, but um, but I'm I'm going to say myself, there's been there's few that are actually like really active in the club um, operations on a daily basis. But um, I would say, you know, Sarah, Tom, that's that's awesome. That's great to for her to have that opportunity. She certainly earned it. I know that there was another game um, that where Cleveland of uh, Cali was for Cleveland Browns was actually the first, like actually coaching on the sidelines. Um, and Callie was an intern here with us uh, for a couple of years. So I, I just think that's great. And I know there's a lot of other clubs now 
uh, in the last several years that have added a lot of females to their football operations staff and their coaching staff. So that's great to see that uh, she's getting that recognition. And we always talk about it, Adam, you know, it's like as kids, you know, see you and want to be like you, you know, someday, um, you know, when, when uh, a young girl sees someone like Sarah in the Super Bowl, like that just gives, gives them the hope that they can do uh they can do that as well. So it's great to see. You know what? I think people want to be like Kim Pagula. And I think this is unbelievable. <laughs> and I don't know how many people know this, right? But again, tell me if my facts are wrong from reading up. But basically, you were working or applying to work at a restaurant in New York. And while you were interviewing for a waitress job, that's when you met your husband who was dining at the restaurant. Is that, <laughs> is that, actually, is that accurate? Yeah, no, no that, that's correct. Uh, believe it or not, I, I met my husband when I was 21 years old. I mean, like barely 21. Wow. Years. Actually, it might have been 20, but um, barely 21 years old. And I, I, listen, I've got, I've got three kids and my youngest is 21 now. And I can't imagine, uh, you know, them at my <laughs> stage of life back then. But um, yeah, yeah, you know what? Listen, I should have had some warning signs because I'm like, you know, what kind of guy takes, you know, a lunch break that long, you know, <laughs> when he's working, right? So I, I should have I should have had some warning signs. But um, but yeah, you know, we've been married 27 years, three kids later, um, wow. multitude of, of different businesses. So um, obviously, the partnership has certainly uh, worked out well. But think about that, right? You go from being somebody who's applying for a waitress job <laughs> at a restaurant in New York to owning a football franchise, a hockey franchise, and now again presiding over that football franchise that is 60 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl and trying to give Buffalo fans something that would be a forever memory, something they would never forget, something that would be your legacy, Kim. Think about that. Yeah. No, I uh, listen. Um, well, first of all, I didn't even get that job. Like I, I didn't even get a, a call back. So I didn't even get that job. So, um, but I think I made out okay in the end, but you know, listen, um, I certainly will be the first to say that I've, I've led a very blessed life and very charmed life. Um, you know, some of those things that, that we've gotten to experience together and, you know, even individually, um, certainly like, you know, just so blessed with, with all of that. And, you know, listen, when Terry and I met, that was in Olean, New York, which is a very small town about an hour from Buffalo. And being able to come back um, to this community, knowing how much the Bills means, how much sports means to yeah. this community that, you know, technically probably shouldn't have, a, you know, a football team. There's, you know, um, other cities that have a lot bigger population or you know, have more Fortune 500 companies here or whatever. But um, so to be able to be in this position, like you said, heading into 60 minutes, um, it, it just, it means a lot. It, it really does. Have you allowed yourself the idea of what it would mean to that city to win a Super Bowl? I, you know, I, yeah, I, I you know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And what would, that, of course, what would it be you know, like? What would it mean? Well, actually, it's it's um, it's interesting because I sometimes I like think about it, and then I'm like, "crap, we're in COVID right now." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "wait, should we postpone the the parade? Like, should we just you know forget?" Like, so like sometimes you start thinking about things, your mind wanders, and and a lot of things happening this year. Um, and then of course, you know, I'm like, "well, you know, after the four 
you know, Super Bowls, I, I think, gee whiz, this is, you know, one time we, we can't have fans or very limited fans. This is the year that we would win it. So a lot of things, crazy things go through your mind, Adam, sometimes at odd hours of the day or late at night. But um, but certainly, yeah, I you know, I've seen the history here, uh, obviously talking to Thurman and Jim Kelly and Bruce and a lot of those guys. Um, it's been a long time. So I, I just sometimes I think I can imagine it, but then I know that it's be, it, it'll in reality it will be beyond what I could even imagine. No, it's like life itself, Kim. It goes beyond what you can imagine. It is beyond imagination. Yeah. I mean, it would be for those people to win. Think of what it meant for Boston to win a World Series, or Chicago to win yeah. a World Series, or some of these other places to win a Super Bowl. It would be it would be life changing for a lot of those people there, and yeah. that would be pretty neat to see. That would be pretty neat to see. It would, you know. And I, Adam, I think I I think we have a lot of closet Bills fans. So, fan, you know, fans that, you know, maybe their first team is another club. But I think, you know, now that there's not that many teams left, I think we have a lot of Bills fans that are uh, or fans that are rooting for us uh, for the Bills. So I, I think we're just we're, I, I don't know. It's just it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people, not just here in Buffalo, but I think across the country. Well, Kim, I really appreciate taking some time today. Lots of luck in the conference championship game. Congratulations on everything that you've achieved, and we wish you continued success this weekend and the rest of the postseason for however long it remains. All right. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate being a guest. There is the president and owner of the Buffalo Bills, Kim Pagula. And I will say, look forward to being on the couch this Sunday, watching that game, the second game. And what I've noticed this year is that when I'm watching these games in basically my house by myself, sitting in a room, whereas in other years I've been around a bunch of people, friends, work, colleagues, we're watching the games together, bantering about, making jokes, having fun, group of people from ESPN all together watching the games. That hasn't happened all year long. Every game I've watched by myself, wife and daughter, not interested, son away at college. So you're watching it by yourself. What I've noticed this year is that we've got these text chains going. And there must be 100, 150 texts sent on that chain during the course of the, of the game. Literally, all the banter that we used to have in person has been replaced with the incessant text message coming in from various people. We got Chris Mortensen on that text chain. We got Jeff Darlington on that text chain. Field Yates on that text chain. My boss, Seth Markman. And we're just going back and forth on all that's going on in the game and our observations, jokes, insults. And that's become the form of watching a game in 2021 and 2020, a text chain rather than the banter of being in person. Just kind of interesting how many texts there are that go around. All right, without further ado, the ESPN statistician and analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Joining us now, my friend, my colleague, Evan Kaplan. And Evan, Championship Sunday is upon us. First of all, who would have thought that we would get this far? Who would have thought that this would actually be? And now that we're here, we've got some tremendous matchups. We have the Buccaneers and Packers, 305 Eastern Sunday, followed by the Bills and Chiefs, 640 Eastern on Sunday. And I guess we should start in Green Bay, and we should probably start with the quarterbacks, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. How do we break down the matchup, Evan? Yeah, I mean, you're right in saying that, that we made it, Adam. This is always – the Super Bowl is kind of its own animal, right? So, like, the, the championship Sunday to me, it's the last, like, real Sunday of the season where you've got two yeah. games and, and it, it just – it feels kind of it, – it's like it's been all year. So and, – and we've got some great matchups. So, off the top, before we even get into Brady Rogers, so you look at the four starting QBs, assuming that Patrick Mahomes will be able to start all five – uh, we're in the top five, all four, excuse me, we're in the top five in touchdown passes during the regular season. You've got three Super Bowl winners. Now, these four quarterbacks, Adam, again, assuming Mahomes can start, none of them have lost a game since the start of December. They are all on winning streaks of at least six games because Patrick Mahomes, of course, didn't start the Chiefs' Week 17 matchup. So the, not only do you have the pedigree and the history, like we'll talk about in a second with Rodgers, and Brady, but you've got four quarterbacks who are playing at the top of their games heading into these matches, which is really going to be a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. So, so that's kind of sitting the table for the week. And then, then as you said, it, it, it's all about Brady and Rodgers. And I, I think you can't say enough about Tom Brady and him back in the conference championship again. This is will be his 14th conference championship start. Of course, his first in the NFC. And this is one way that, that I looked at it, Adam. So if you take Tom Brady's career since the 2011 season, so since he was 34 years old, and you just take his career since then, he would still be the most accomplished quarterback in postseason history. He took away his first 10 years. So since 2011, this will be his ninth conference championship in 10 seasons. He's won 18 playoff games since the 2011 postseason. The, the most ever beside him or behind him, excuse me, is Joe Montana with 16. And the other thing that strikes me about Brady, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts here, is he he's playing so well. This isn't this isn't one of those situations where he's being carried by the rest of the team. Yes, the defense played great against Drew Brees and the Saints in the divisional round, but Brady has 16 touchdown passes and one interception over his last six games. It, it's incredible the level he's playing at 43 years old. Well, I have a few thoughts there. Um, he does look unbelievable. Like Drew Brees. I don't mean this in an insulting way. Looked like he was in his forties on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just he just did. Yes, and, he did. And Tom doesn't. Tom just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Tom keeps beating time. He keeps winning these playoff games, and he keeps winning. And he's just incredible in what he's done. And the numbers, as you said, speak for themselves. Fourteen career conference championship games. Crazy. It's Joe crazy. Montana had seven, 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 twice as many as any other quarterback in NFL history. What is the Super Bowl number? In other words, if Brady wins Sunday, this would be his 10th Super Bowl, right? Yeah, his 10th Super Bowl, 6-3 and three with the Patriots. Uh, it, it's remarkable. And then you have on the other side is Aaron Rodgers trying to get back, right? 
he he's the MVP this season. He's going to win that award. He's up to 50 touchdown passes when you include the playoffs. He's been an incredible quarterback. And but he, you know he he hasn't been to a Super Bowl in 10 years. If if the Packers win on Sunday, his 15 playoff starts between his first and second Super Bowl will be three times as many as any other quarterback in NFL history. That kind of quote unquote record right now belongs to Roger Staubach, who only had five start playoff starts between his first and his second Super Bowl. So and Rogers, you know, he, he's played so well that he's actually his worst game this season was against the Bucks back in week six, long time ago. So I don't know how much we can put into that. But um, you know, this this matchup with two quarterbacks who will combine for the most touchdown passes, most passing yards in a conference championship. It's gotten kind of everything you could ask for. And, you know, I think in a season, Adam, where we've had, um, you know, everything going on with COVID and, and all of the game games moved around and roster issues, that we should all really enjoy Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship. So how about this? Again, just summarizing what you said, just boiling it together. Tom Brady is going for his 10th Super Bowl appearance while Aaron Rodgers is trying to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Just a little interesting little satellite to put it all together. And I will say this about Aaron Rodgers and watching the divisional playoff games. He looked like the best player on the field, divisional playoff weekend of any team, any game, any matchup. He looked yeah. like the difference maker. He looked like the MVP. He looked like the guy that is driven this year that is playing at a higher level than anybody, as well as Tom Brady's playing, as well as Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, everybody. I don't care who you include in there. Aaron Rodgers is at a different level right now than everybody right now. I agree with you, Adam. And we look, we talked about on this podcast two months ago when, when the Saints and the Packers and the Seahawks were kind of vying for that number one seed. And we talked about how tough it would be to win in La- at Lambeau Field in January. And, and here we are, right? The, the weather's probably low 20s. We'll see what happens with snow or not on Sunday. But this this was the reason that the Packers went 13-3 and in the regular season. They are 16-2 and at home in the last two seasons under Matt LaFleur. And one more win gets Rodgers to that second Super Bowl. And so that's a little bit of a look at the great NFC matchup, Buccaneers-Packers 305 Eastern on Sunday. And now, Evan, we go on to the AFC matchup. Bills, Chiefs. 640 Eastern, Josh Allen, probably Patrick Mahomes. We assume Patrick Mahomes as we tape this midday on Tuesday. What do we make of this matchup, Evan? Yeah, fun one between, again, like I mentioned off the top, two quarterbacks playing at, at a really high level. Uh, and, and this will be the fourth playoff meeting between these teams. And, and all week you're going to see flashbacks to that 1993 AFC Championship game, which is between the Chiefs and the Bills. Also, the last time the Bills were in the AFC Championship, eight Hall of Famers in that game. Joe Montana was the Chiefs quarterback. Of course, all the great Bills, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, etc. On the Buffalo side, Bills won that game to get to their fourth straight Super Bowl. So that's kind of the flashback as we uh, as we go back, and, and you'll again you'll see that all week. And you know. The, these quarterbacks and these teams will kind of always be linked by what happened in the 2017 NFL draft when the Bills had the 10th overall pick and they traded that pick to the Chiefs, who selected Patrick Mahomes. Now, the, ne- the, the Chiefs, mm, that's right. you know, so that, that's a great connection between uh, these two teams. The Bills ended up taking Tredavious White and an all-pro later in that first round. Mm. They got Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds the next year. So 
as both teams meet, you know, it's very interesting that that really the the way that trade has played out has certainly worked out for the Chiefs and Mahomes. I don't think the Bills are going to be uh, too unhappy with with what they got with Josh Allen and, and, and White and Edmonds. And when we talk about the Chiefs, and we touched on this a little bit last week, about all of their close games, right, and the fact that they had another one on Sunday, certainly Mahomes going out maybe had something to do with that. But I, I think the, the way I'm looking at the close games is not this is going to catch up to them. It's that this team just knows how to make the winning plays when they need to. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are 9-0 and in games decided by six or fewer points this season. And I think that it's a situation, we saw it on fourth down in the in the divisional playoffs against the Browns, where Andy Reid just trusts his players and he knows the calls to make to get them the victory. So I look at those close games as more of an, a, more of an impressive thing as opposed to it will eventually catch up with them. But I know people, you, I can see both sides of it. Well, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, that the trade that these two teams made Mm-hmm. propelled each one of them into the yeah. position that they're in Sunday Absolutely. to compete for the AFC Championship game. But you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Again, if you go back and listen to our previous podcast this postseason, we've yeah. been projecting the Buffalo Bills to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. We are not backing down now, Evan. We are yeah. not backing yeah. down. We are going to stand behind the Buffalo Bills as great as the Chiefs are. And I think they're awesome. And I think they're going to win multiple Super Bowls during Patrick Mahomes' time, again, it just feels like to me that the Chiefs have been playing with fire. You talk about them being masters of winning yeah. the close game. I say they've been flirting with disaster, and the Bills have not yet played a great game this postseason. I feel oh. like they are due. And the Chiefs beat them during the regular season. I think they learned a thing or two. Sean McDermott knows how to beat the man that taught him, Andy yeah. Reid. I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills find a way to prevail and get Buffalo to the Super Bowl. What do we think? Uh, well, the, the, the biggest part that I like about what you just said is that they haven't – I don't think Josh Allen's played his best game. I mean, we talked about Aaron Rodgers as, as winning the MVP this season, but I think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were neck and neck in terms of second in that kind of MVP race. And Allen, you know, with the wind against the Ravens on Saturday night, he – you know, he missed some throws, deep throws that he's been hitting all year. I, 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 I'm with you there. That with with Allen and Diggs, um, we could see a Josh Allen game where it's you know three touchdowns and he runs for one, and, and which we saw plenty of times throughout the regular season. So I think the Bills have a great chance. And how fun would that be for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl in Tampa, where they played their first ever oh. Super Bowl way back against oh. the Giants. And Super Bowl 25 in the 1990 season, that a great parallel. So that would be a lot of fun, especially. And what if they played Tom Brady, who they faced for all those years in the AFC East? They thought they got away from him, and now maybe they play him in the Super Bowl. I think any of the matchups that we get from these conference championships would be are, are going to be great in Super Bowl 55. Well, you know that's always interesting. I always look at it. I always think this is one of the cool exercises of Championship Weekend, like. What are the most compelling matchups? And I will say this. Any combination of these teams in the Super Bowl is going to be great. Any combination. It could be it could be the Bucks Bills, great. Bucks Chiefs, great. It could be the Packers Bills, great. Packers Chiefs. I mean, look, there's not a combination that you come up with that you say 
Well, I wouldn't want to see that game because we've got four great quarterbacks here. We've got four great quarterbacks, four great organizations, four teams that you can make an argument for any one of them winning the Super Bowl. And to me, we're going to get a great Super Bowl. I didn't think it. That's really interesting. How fitting would that be for Buffalo to get a chance to win a Super Bowl on the field where they came closest to winning the Super Bowl? Oh, boy. that's, That's good, Evan. Old Tampa, every now and then, Adam, I come up with a good one. Yeah, old, old Tampa Stadium. And, and and you're right. It, it all comes down to the quarterbacks. And you've got the two kind of older guys in the NFC, Brady looking to get another one, Rodgers to get his second. And then the AFC, we could see this matchup in the AFC Championship for a long time with Josh Allen and the Bills against Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, Evan, that's why we have you on. That's <laughs> why we have you on. And that's why we will – Basically, have you on to get ready for the Super Bowl as well. Enjoy the conference championship games, and we will speak to you next week to begin previewing it. Sounds good, Adam. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. So there are some excellent insight on this weekend's conference championship games from ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. And as we get ready for these conference championship games, I have another recommendation to make. My wife and I streamed the Tiger special on HBO called Tiger, documentary on his life, which I guess is this version of Last Dance or the Lance Armstrong documentary that ran on ESPN. It was two hour and a half or two hour specials on Tiger and his life and tying together all the events. And all I could say is bravo HBO. Well done. Loved it. Thought it was riveting. Thought it captured Tiger's essence. Um, Really well done and highly recommended. Anybody who hasn't seen that Tiger documentary yet, if you're looking to kill a few hours on TV, there is something for you leading in to the conference championship games. I think you'll really enjoy that. All right, I want to thank our guests today, the former Bears defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano. I want to thank the president and owner of the Buffalo Bills, Kim Pagula, who now is getting ready for the franchise's biggest game since the Bills were in the Super Bowl back in the day. I want to thank ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan for his insights and information on this weekend's conference championship games. I want to thank my producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this podcast together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we look back at the conference championship games, break down some of the news and events in the NFL, and look ahead to the upcoming Super Bowl when we'll finally find out which teams will be in that big game this year. Until then, be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.